Hey, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Just letting you know that the, what you're hearing now is the podcast version of a Google broadcast that we did on May 28th. Um, if you were there, uh, thank you very much. And if you weren't, here it is in podcast form. So because it was so long, we've separated it actually into two podcasts. So this is part one. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. This is Jason Cass with uh, Agents Influence. Uh, normally, as you know, we do the podcast, and today we're going to be doing the broadcast. Uh, we are going to, for the first time, try and take this broadcast and actually put it in a podcast so that, once again, we give you the option, which is best for you to be able to listen to it. Um, today, on the, uh, we're doing a recap, as we do every month, and we try to bring the people and who we did the podcast back on. And I'm really loving this part because we got a ton of feedback from some of the things that uh, Chris Paradiso and Ryan Hanley had to say. So what we've got here is we've got Chris Paradiso from Paradiso Insurance out of Stafford Springs, Connecticut. Then we also have Ryan Hanley, who's the director of marketing uh, for the uh, Murray Insurance Group. And I should say that Chris is actually the agent owner of the um, of the Chris uh, of, of Paradiso Insurance. Ryan, you, uh, Brian, you might want to uh, put some uh, a, a mute on your system because all I'm getting is the agent's influence. I'm getting, I'm not getting uh, me on the broadcast. Just so people know that. Um, so one thing that I that I want to talk about uh, has to do. I want to start right in this with Ryan Hanley. Ryan was on our first. Um, Ryan Hanley was on our first podcast that we had. And one thing that he talked about in great detail was the connected and unconnected generation. And I have to say that the connected and unconnected generation has led to a lot of conversation across America. And I've got a lot of feedback. And, Ryan, I want to start with you. And it has to do with um, I got a guy out of uh, an agent out of Virginia. He asked to stay anonymous, or, so we're going to keep him secret here. And one of the things he said with the connected and unconnected generation, he definitely agrees with what you're saying, um, but he does believe that the connected, unconnected generation, excuse me, is so much larger than the un or the connected generation that uh, he thinks it's not worth putting his uh, dollars, marketing dollars, to at this point in time. So what I'd like for you to do is comment on what you think by the gentleman uh, agency owner out of Virginia when he says that. So I, it, it's a really great question, and since I wrote that article and have been talking more on my own blog about the uh, connected generation and its impact on how we market our business, I've gotten this question quite a bit. So uh, there's a there's a couple facets to it. The first, it, and the most direct, is it, it really depends on your market. So if you're in an extremely rural area, then you probably do have more unconnected generation members currently than connected generation. That's very well could be the case. But if you're selling insurance in the United States, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you that there is very few geographic regions that I would consider to have an unconnected generation population that can sustain an agency for the foreseeable future. Uh, maybe today, but you know, five years, ten years down the line, that's not going to be the case. There are no, we are not adding unconnected generation members to our pool of clients. So yes, today you may still be able to get away with strictly marketing to the unconnected generation. And, and for those that are unfamiliar with the concept, uh, basically there are 
in digital marketing world and in, in the world that we're going forward, there's only two types of consumers uh, and age has nothing to do with them. You're either connected, meaning that you communicate, build relationships and ultimately make buying decisions using kind of web 2.0 technology, smartphones, iPads, your computer, uh, or you don't. And uh, that would be the unconnected generation. So uh, my advice to people who may think to themselves, well, geez, uh, you know, sending out direct mailers and asking for referrals has sustained my business to this point. We are not adding any new unconnected generation consumers. People who are my age, 30, mid-30s, who are kind of um, on the high end of what people can, can uh, usually consider Gen Y, I tell my friends, don't give my name out as a referral. Just don't. If your financial advisor calls me, I'm going to tell him to go fly a kite. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't know who he is or who she is. I haven't done my own research. This is what the connected generation does. So uh, my personal opinion is that if you are an unconnected generation member, it may feel like, because all you do is hang out with other unconnected generation members, like that's all there is in your area. But if you're looking to actually grow your business, if you're trying to expand the market that you reach and you're trying to, um, you know, if, if longevity is important to your business, uh, kind of disregarding marketing to the unconnected generation now could be um, ultimately a fatal mistake just because of the way demographics are and um, the fact that we are not adding any new unconnected generation members to our society. I hope that answered the question. I think question. you're right. And Ryan, I'll also throw a side note out there for the listeners and viewers that after I found this guy, um, he did give me his name and his agency name, but he asked me not to reveal it now. I went and tried to find, he has no social sites, and his website looks like it probably hasn't been updated in about two years. That's not to down him, but it, it's funny when he says that there's not a big enough connected generation out there when he's not trying to reach them in yeah. the first place. So Basically, I, I it's very common and what it is is he's had success marketing to the unconnected generation. He is part of the unconnected generation and has never put effort into capturing the connected generation so has no basis on which to say it's successful or unsuccessful because in his world the all there are unconnected generation people. So it makes sense and I think that I'm sure he will I th I'm sure he will do fine for a while, but what he'll see is more and more uh, unconnected generation members who he right now considers part of his core audience, his core client base, will start to become connected generation members. Now, all of a sudden, he'll have a large number of comp uh, a large amount of competition playing into what he want at one time considered his core client base um, because those people are online, uh, whether he is or not. Very good point. Chris, do you have any, anything to add to that? I think, Ryan, if you put it very gently, but I can't imagine. I, I'm out in the middle of nowhere here in Stafford Springs, Connecticut, in the middle of nowhere. There's probably more cows than people, and people are connected here. My father's 78. He's going to be 79 years old. He's connected now. He yeah. had an iPhone before I did, and, you know, I those people that just don't like to be connected, that's okay, but don't say that there's more not connected than there is connected because I don't even think you can, There's not. it's not even close. There is more connected than not connected throughout the world. 
right here in the United States, everywhere. And I just think we have to adapt. It's kind of like I always say to people, um, back in 1999, 2000, when phones really became big, did everybody go get a, a cell phone? No, some of them waited. But after a year, just about everybody had them, right? Now, if you have a regular cell phone versus a smartphone, you're considered not connected, right? Well, before you know it, another year or so, everybody's going to have a, a smartphone. It's just the way the future is, the way technology is moving, and people want to be connected, period. Yeah. I, I read a stat the other day that more people have smartphones in America than have toothbrushes. That's right. That's smartphones, that was, uh, not, not cell phones in general. Smartphones. There are more smartphones than toothbrushes. So it's hard for me to believe. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Actually, Jay, that was from your presentation. Exactly. That's right. And that's from Eric Coleman. And, and one other thing I want to add, because this isn't about me, this is about you guys, but I, I, I did a podcast that's coming up in June with Daniel Burris. And Daniel Burris told me that officially two months ago, it became just as economically feasible to build a smartphone as it did what he calls a dumb phone. So the yeah. manufacturers now have come to the point in time that it is actually less expensive to build a smartphone. So right there, if you're a manufacturer, the dumb phones are going away. So even if you have a dumb phone, it's yeah. going to be almost impossible to get one in the next coming years. The, the market is changing. You know, Jay, hey, one more thing um, on that too I, I just want to mention. Um, there used to be – like uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this the right way, but it used to be like if you had a smartphone, you know, everyone in the room would be like, oh, you know, look at this guy, he's, you know, he's so tech or whatever, and they would almost make like a little joke about it, right? And then it kind of turned a little bit, and then people would kind of joke like, oh, you know, I'm still on the dumb phone. It's not cool to have the traditional flip phone anymore, like in society, you know, it just, it, it, it used to be like, oh, you know, you're holding back and there was something to that. You know, we looked at that person and we saw them as like, oh, you know, you're still holding on to that and, and that's respectable. And it's gotten to the point where like, if you can't adopt to the smartphone and communicate with me at, at the speed that I need you to communicate me with, I'm moving on to somebody else. Like, it's not cool to have the simple flip phone anymore. It's it's not it doesn't make you look like a more savvy business professional. It really just shows that you are not doing everything you can to serve your client base if you're walking around with a flip phone still. It just basically when I see an agent with a standard flip phone and makes a joke how to they, how they're not smart enough to use a smartphone, I just think to myself, you just proved to me that you're not trying to do everything you can to communicate and serve your clients. That's what that proves to me. Not that you're old fashioned and you believe in face to face and all this other stuff. To me, it now has a negative stigma if you're not adopting these tools because you're, you're, it, it, you're, the proof is in your actions. You're not doing everything you can. If you were doing everything you can for your clients, you would adopt these practices. And that's the way I look at it. And you're saying, Ryan, this is like the new basic standard just to compete. Yes. Just to stay up to date with everyone else. Yeah. And by the way, I apologize, everybody. This is Brian Appleton. Brian Appleton uh, uh, helps uh, behind the scenes with Grow and especially with Agents Influence. Uh, he's kind of the behind the scenes man. Um, so, you know, one thing I also have to say, I, I don't mean to keep giving away the Daniel Burris podcast, but one thing he said, which relates to what Ryan's saying, is that time travel is possible. If you go to the banks of the Amazon, there's people who still have blowguns. If you come to the business world, there's people who still have dumb phones. That's time travel. That's going back into the back into the past. So 
I think that that was uh, really important. Let me get on to something else. Um, uh, it says, Chris, I got it. I got some feedback here, um, which I have to say, of all the podcasts, uh, yes, uh, Chris has taken the reign right now. Uh, got a little over 300 downloads. He is the number one guy, and uh, I got a lot of feedback. Um, I'm starting to notice that people don't put so many comments on the website, which I wish they would because they're flooding my inbox, but once again, that's fine. Um, Chris, with uh, all the things that you're doing at your agency, um, we talked about a lot of things here. I mean, when it talks about your partner's page, the little e-drive, the uh, reverse trick-or-treat, um, the Kate and uh, Kurt, uh, the, you know, all, all the different things you're doing, um, who's doing it? That was the question that I got a lot is, is how are you doing this? Is your CSRs doing it? Is your principal, are your producers? Explain that a little bit, Chris. I have uh, three marketing people that work in my agency. And when I say marketing, they're only strict um, to marketing. They have no insurance license. Um, they, two of them have taken insurance classes. They haven't gone to solidify their license, but they have taken all the same courses that I've taken except they haven't gone and passed the exam because there's no uh, real reason for them to go have it. Um, but those three marketing people, we really have them um, marketing through the internet on an online presence, creating a brand and identity every day for us. And there's three different roles. Their first role that we have is we have Mallory, and Mallory's only responsibility is to create video. Um, so her job uh, as she sits upstairs right now is just to create video. Video of the agency, video videos of um, for clients and other businesses that we insure, and that's her only role. And I, and I don't say only as it's a small role; it's a big role. Um, that's her job daily. We have a second gentleman, Kevin. Kevin's responsibility for the agency is is all about um, blogging and finding new concepts and things that we're going to be blogging about. And he also um, talks with me on a regular basis to discuss. Things such as um, what we're going to write about, um, what's the strategy, what's behind the strategy of what we're doing. So he's basically writing and using producer online, and that's where we're getting a lot of our rich content. And third is Kate, and Kate is really uh, the marketing manager. Her responsibility is to put everything together with what we're doing and what we're moving forward with. So her and I communicate. We're probably the closest of any two people inside the agency. Um, because our growth is going to come from our marketing, and our marketing is really put in Kate's hands. So there's three people, um, three people on my payroll that have no insurance license that are strictly for marketing, and we just hired a, a, a fourth. Okay, fantastic. That's uh, that that's impressive, and I think that is going to listen to. I think one of the next questions they're going to say, which we probably know your answer is is obviously is that worth the pay that you're paying them um, I think obviously the answer is yes I mean because that's why you're adding a fourth and uh, I think that's important what you just said that uh, you know the, the marketers are the one that are going to drive that traffic and then when they drive the traffic to the producers I assume then then the producers there how do you guys make that connection from the blog that's being written into making that an actual client and turning that into a sale is that a direct thing? Is that indirect? Well, there's a portion that's direct, and there's definitely a portion that's indirect. And, you know, one thing that Ryan Haley and I communicate all the time about is the difference 
of our, we, we think a little differently, and no disrespect towards our thought process, it's just a little different. Um, Ryan really says content is king, and I, in reverse, I say content is queen, social media is king. And what, why I say that for the direct and for the indirect is kind of like why I'm, I'm reading on ACT. There's people saying, well, digital marketing versus social media marketing. Digital marketing is much more profitable than social media. How can you say that when, if you look at the last updates, um, the Panda updates, you can directly see that search engine optimi optimization has a direct relationship with social media. So if you're not social, your SEO is being injured, hurt, penalized, however you want to put it by Google. So they go hand in hand. So my big thing and how I look at it and kind of in the minds of Google, I say, okay, how much content is out there? There's so much content. Ryan probably could tell you how many blogs are being posted daily. I think it's 2 billion. It's something, it's, it's actually an incredible number. So why I feel content isn't king anymore is not just because of mattcuts.com and Matt does, he's behind the scenes. He's really the guy for Google. And he specifically states that SEO um, has a direct correlation with social media. And I don't know if you saw his video a week and a half ago on how Google local is going to be even more and more beneficial for us, the small agencies, because it's going to go much more on a local level where it's going to make it a little bit more of an even playing field against all states and state farms who are piggybacking on each other. See, this is uh, it's funny because Chris and I do talk about this all the time. And part of the reason why um, I see this, we say the same things inside our agencies. We may put a little more influence me on content marketing, Chris on social media. That more has to do with, um, how dynamic our agency owners are. So Chris is a very dynamic individual. So for him, social media is a great platform because of his personality. And then, you know, he's kind of pulling the wool over guys because behind the scenes, they're creating just as much content as I am. And they're pushing out through <laughs> social media and doing all that stuff too. So, you know, I mean, but, you know, the other side of it is, you know, in my agency, I do not necessarily have that dynamic head individual that I can wrap a social media platform around. So I tend to use uh, search engines and, and Chris is 100% correct that uh, social media plays a huge role in SEO. And what I think the conversation needs to move away from is, you know, kind of digital marketing, content marketing, social media, and, and the differences between them. And really it has to be one integrated platform. And it's the reason that Chris has so many marketing people and why they each have a specific fun function is because if, if Kate is handling uh, social media posts and, and, and other things in general, you have one person doing video, one person doing blog posts, all those things need to roll up into an enterprise wide strategy that also incorporates all the offline things that specifically uh, um, Paradiso Insurance does. And, and, and capturing the, the uh, contacts into email and getting their cell phones so you can do text messages. I mean, there's so many things that we can do. Uh, but I want to just take one step back to what Chris was saying about marketing people, and that's uh, I am the director of marketing of this agency now. For six years, I was a boots on the ground, rubber sole shoed producer, you know, keep what you kill mentality. And I went from being a 100% commissioned. Uh, producer to a salaried director of marketing because and the reason that my agency was able to do that so I went from having almost no cost to my agency to having a salaried cost 
because of how powerful these tools are. You know, this isn't, oh, we don't have the money for a marketing person. It's if you want to grow your business, you will make this investment. I mean, that is the conversation that we're having here. Um, that you know, the visionary agency owners who's who want to grow their business over the long term are doing these things. I mean, this isn't a oh hey, you know, Paradiso Insurance and and the Murray Group are these outliers, you know, taking a chance. It's this is what you have to do. This is the landscape that we now sell insurance in and the tools that we must use to connect with the people who do business with us. And, um, you know, I think Chris having four marketing people, me going from being a producer to a marketer just shows other agencies that this is something we need to do and it can be very, very profitable. This isn't for fun. I mean, I have to report on a weekly basis the new leads that we're bringing in and I am drastically outpacing my salary to, to what I'm able to bring into the agency. And I'm sure the same is true for what, for Chris's people. That's right. Brian, um, when you're working with some agents and you're trying to help them and, and help them uh, create their social and digital presence, uh, presence is, uh, have you brought this up to any of the agency owners? Is this something that they're open to? That's mostly who I work with is direct agency owners. But I just want to ask Chris and Ryan real quick, I mean, what are your thoughts on, isn't essentially social media what the best agents were doing before is involved in charity, involved in association events, involved in, uh, on their community board. So they were doing a lot of these things, putting a lot of hours in, isn't social media essentially taking some of those things and going online and then doing a better job of letting people know about it. I mean, what Chris does with the charity and stuff like that, isn't it what good agents have always done? It's just kind of changing the game. I agree, Brian. I think the difference is, is um, I think agents have done it the whole time. I just think that because of a soft market and understanding a soft market and how many people made a lot of money not having to work quite as hard, and I'm not criticizing anybody um, for that, but now that the market's hard uh, and social media is here, we have two things that we're combating here. Um, agents are combating first and foremost. They have to get back into their community. Hopefully, they never left. But if they did, they have to get back to the community because who is supporting them is the community. I make my, I put bread on my family's table for my children because of my community. And it's so important in how I look at this and, I, and I've helped several agencies and the, the hardest part that they, they get hung up on and they say is why do you need to promote it social media and what you're doing when it comes down to the charity work? And I say simple. How great is it that, unfortunate that my daughter was very ill in, into Children's Hospital, and we were very blessed that we had the hospital take care of us and my, my children. We leave there, but as I walked around there and spending night after night in there, I said, I need to do something to give back to this hospital because there are so many parents that weren't with their child. I own my business. I am fortunate enough that I can afford that. If my daughter was in there for six months, I wouldn't leave her side. Not every parent can do that. So what I decided to do is I said, hey, I'm going to get the community involved. It's a community hospital. It's located about 20 miles from, from my office. But I want to get the community involved to get behind the hospital to understand what it stands for, what it represents, and how it helps people every single day. I did not donate money out of my own pocket. I spent money with the marketing team to say, hey, this is something we have to do. And now we've, we collect stuff throughout the country. Do you realize insurance agents out of California send us gifts for Halloween for for the Connecticut Children's Medical Hospital, that tells you how much the insurance agency 
um, is behind community, period. That's not even their community, and they're still shipping stuff. Tony Alessandro out of Insurance Solutions, every single year he sends a care package. He brings his children out to collect what's hot and what's not and ship it out here so that he can put smiles on kids' faces. And he says, that's the first thing the kids ask me, you know, three, four weeks before Halloween. When can we go out and help the kids out in Connecticut? That's fantastic. And he's not the only one. We have one out of Texas, out of Florida, from all around the country that are getting involved. If they don't get involved and they don't take back their community, I think they're hurting. And I think social media is the way to do it. Well, the only reason I propose it, Chris, is I guess there's still a lot of agents out there who can't get their heads around social media. Why is it important and why do it and, you know, just why even get started in it? I guess that's the way I look at it. It's the same things the most successful agents have done in their community for years. It's just a new platform to do it on. And um, I getting their heads around that and understanding why it's important and how it can even be better and leveraged for uh, bigger and greater things. And to Jason's question before, I think the agency owner has to be behind it or it's not going to work. I don't think uh, – if he doesn't understand and see the value, it's not going to trickle down to the agents. So I think the agency owner really has to be on board with it. But if well, the, you know, the agency owner doesn't have to necessarily be doing everything, as I sure. want to say out there to agency owners of the unconnected and connected generation. If you feel overwhelmed, they say to me, I know they say it to Ryan, probably Chris, is how do you do it all? Um, well, Chris doesn't do it all. He's hired people to help him. And it doesn't have to be so much. I mean, you can outsource that stuff just other places than just actually hiring a salaried person. Um, myself, I could not hire a salaried person. There's a lot of stuff that I outsource to other people. I'm still creating the content, but I'm not the one. To give you an example to what you could do out there. You can, um, if you don't want to be the one who puts the post to your actual website and makes it like go live and puts in all the links to all the different types of stuff it does, it doesn't mean that you just can't write the blog and turn it over to somebody else. It's not that you just can't make the video and turn it over to somebody else to make all of those technology um, things that a lot of people don't want to do. So you don't have to feel overwhelmed by it. You have to learn all the back end stuff. You can get... Um, I, we don't need to become anything other than salespeople, um, but we can hire technology people, um, and that doesn't mean necessarily in their office. That means that you can outsource that as well. And you're right, Jason. That's a lot of what I do too is partner with them, teach them how to do it, and then you know it's just a process of learning how to do it. And then you've got somebody like myself who's helping do the posts, do the get the stuff out there on a regular basis. But um, becoming an outsource partner, I that. You're not creating the content, correct? I mean, that's something that you help uh, them do, but content, you do the back come up with ideas, but I agree. I think it still needs to be part of it needs to be the agency owner or the agent's voice. If it's not, people know if it doesn't sound like you. If it sounds hokey or if it's totally outsourced, it's just like any other marketing. It becomes cold. How, how can we make – social media is all about being warm, and I think Chris and Ryan would agree with this totally. I think Chris does a great job of this. It's, it's about being warm with, with your customers and then having them know you on a personal basis. If you're totally outsourcing that, you're essentially doing the same thing as taking out a newsletter or a, a marketing through your local newspaper or radio. It's okay, but it's not at the level that it could be. Chris, let me ask you a question. You talk about SEO, which a lot of people we think in the world we live in know what that means, that search engine optimization. And I think a lot of people are familiar, though, with the fact that um, basically the keywords you use in the links and what Google is looking for as far as web pages but you talk about SEO and social media um, can you help them explain what exactly that means why it is is Google searching social media 
absolutely. And a really great area you can go for free, I love four-letter four F-words, free, um, is WebsiteGrader.com. And within WebsiteGrader.com, you can see um, where your score of your website is. So basically, how powerful your website is. And then it will also, um, for free, there's also a paid option, which is going to give you more in-depth and more in-detail on what you need to work on. But at WebsiteGrader.com, you'll also see, it will tell you, you know, do you have a Twitter account? Are you doing an okay job? Do you have a Facebook fan, uh, Facebook fan page? Um, it will tell you in the areas that you're not doing quite as well in order to help your rank. Um, it's a quick little easy cheat sheet, and um, like I said, it's free. What is that again? WebsiteGrader.com. Fantastic. Ryan, I want to get on something that I heard you talk about. Ryan and I were recently back on May 14th, I believe it was, we were in South Carolina doing an eight-hour grow program. We taught a lot of agents how to use some of these tools. And Ryan, you talked about cell phone numbers. Um, you talked about the importance of them, not only for the here and now, but for the future. Um, and then, Chris, I want to get on to you and some of the stuff that you do with texting. But first, Ryan, can you talk about how cell phones are important to your agency? Cell phone numbers, excuse me. 